Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I want to talk to you about our schedules. I don't know about you, um, but it seems to me that our schedules are out of control. I mean, it is, they are full to the point where you don't even have an opportunity to audible or change at all. Um, my wife knows that I, I like to plan things. I like to have a schedule. Um, I will admit this is probably one of the things that irritates me the most is when I have a plan and it's scheduled and something comes up that I'm not planning on. Now I will admit that a lot of times it's because I have another idea of what I want to do with that time. Whether it's climbing up in a tree or getting on a boat or doing something that I want to do. Maybe just relaxing, kicking back on a Saturday and something comes up and it just ruins everything. It's because... You know, we have, we have some ideas of what we want to do with our time. I mean, it's our time. So, and, and one of the things that I've noticed, and, and maybe this is just me, is I do very well when it's something that I want to do. Even when I'm nudged to do some things that maybe I don't necessarily want to do, but I'm asked to do them or told to do them. See, our flesh, we don't like to be told what to do. I know, that, you know, I, I've had situations, and, and again, I'm, I'm pretty simple, and one of the things that has happened to me is, you know, I've, I've got a thought that I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do something nice, and, and then somebody comes up and tells me, hey, you should do that. And I'm like, you just totally ruined it. Because it was my idea. And now you took it over and told me what to do, and you can sometimes get the attitude of, well, that I'm not going to do it at all. Because somebody told me that I had to do something, even though I might have been intending to do it, because somebody told me to do it, now I'm just kind of, it's, it's ruined it. We also want to know when it comes to our schedule, when we do scheduling. Now, again, if you don't fall into this group, I don't mean to generalize everybody. I'm talking about myself and a couple of people I know, most of you. But... When it comes to making plans, we want to know the end result. And what I mean by that is this. We want to know what's going to happen before we agree to commit to something. Somebody says, hey, well, why didn't you come over? Well, what are you doing? Well, we're just going to have some people over. Well, who's coming? What time? What time does it start? Oh, about 7 o'clock. Well, what time does it end? What do I have to bring? Well, you got to bring this. Be here by this time. We're going to leave at this time. Nah, I'm out. Too much of a commitment. Or, oh, you know, I totally forgot. I got this thing. And we've all been guilty of doing that one time or another. Most of the time, let's be honest, it's with relatives. You don't have to lie. You've done it. I know you have. So we see these scenarios play out in our schedule, in our life. But what about 
when God wants to change our plans. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26, I did not give the, the scriptures up, upstairs, so I apologize. Most of what I'm going to be doing or reading is uh, out of the NIV. In Luke, chapter 1, and verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And I love this recollection of this. In verse 29 it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> Here's the invitation, but. So I'm going to really praise you up. And it's kind of like when you're like, well, what's the bad news? So Mary, Mary asks, she says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked, how will this be? She asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Mary was asked to take whatever plans she had. Whatever future she had envisioned for herself and decide if she was going to put it aside for what God was asking her to do. So let me set the stage for you a little bit. Mary lives in a town, it says, a town of Galilee. Approximately in this time period, about 2,000 people. Population about 2,000. So you can kind of guess that it, most people knew other people. You kind of knew everybody in the area. Wasn't a large community. And for all intents and purposes, again, you know, it's like a large, really large church. So Mary is engaged to be married to Joseph. Okay, obviously this, in this time period, a lot of marriages were arranged and their marriage was arranged and she was, she was set to be married to Joseph. Now most studies that I found, and I was trying to find the precise age, but the best guesstimate that most people have found is that Mary was somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16 when this occurred, okay? So think about this. 14 years old, 15 years old, 16 years old, whatever it was. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do at 16 years old. I think at 12, I still wanted to be a garbage man because they got to drive around in golf carts pretty much, you know? But, you know, you, you look at this and she asked the question, verse 34, she says, well, how am I going to do this? Because I'm a virgin. So let's look at this. Let's really examine this. She's not married, and she's going to be with child. And she lives in a town of about 2,000 people. She has no assurance that Joseph will still marry her. I mean, could you imagine preparing for that conversation if you're Mary? I got some news. I'm going to be pregnant. 
It's not yours. It's God's. Well, sure it is. That one will fly, right? I mean, really, how are you going to prepare for that conversation? So that's one, one aspect of it. She's got to totally, she's got to figure out, okay, I, I'm, this is the plan. This is the plan that's been proposed is that she's going to marry Joseph. Then the other factor to think about is, let's be honest, in this day, they weren't very, very high on the whole fornication thing. Okay? If you look throughout the Old Testament, good things did not happen to these people. Not only is she in this situation, but she's probably, again, I'm not saying that it's like, they didn't have social media, but I'm sure that word would spread. Hey, guess who's pregnant? Not married. Mary. You know, there's a lot of different factors and things playing into this whole scenario of Mary's life. And again, you know, when I, when I was looking at this, I, I always kind of knew that she was young, but most of the pictures you see, she looks like she's probably about 24. She's got it together. I mean, Joseph's big, got a beard. You know, he's walking her to Bethlehem and she's on a donkey. And you think about this and you're like, they're kids. And they're having to deal with God changing the plans. Now, I want to I step off a little bit here and talk with you about one of the things that, puzzle, that I have a problem with. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit, so if you don't like it, you may want to take a bathroom break for just a little bit. Part of, part of the issue that I have is in our society is the lightheartedness towards premarital sex. And I look at our society, and I, I, have, I have kids that are in college, I have kids that are in high school, kids that are in elementary school. And if you watch TV, if you ever watch a movie, if you read an excerpt anywhere on the, on the internet, there's this whole fascination with the fact that sex is for fun. It's just something that you do. And the, the biggest thing I hear is it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I beg to differ. If you look, and this is, again, my soapbox, my theory, one of the biggest problems that we have as a country started with premarital sex. We look at um, one of the guys that I actually like to listen to on, uh, occasionally when he's on Fox News, is Sheriff David Clark. Um, I like a lot of his viewpoints on some of these things. One of them is his feeling on one of the big problems that we have in the American ghetto, as he refers to it, is the fact that there are children growing up without parents, with adults, because you have babies having babies and no one to raise them. And the cycle continues. Where does this start? Let's take this back. It starts with premarital sex. It starts with taking what God gave you and saying, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal to God. And it should be a big deal to you. You can, I, I had, there was a, I don't know who said it, I remember 
one of the girls um, that I was in high school with telling us the story that there was a girl that approached her and said, you know, why don't, why don't you just do, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just have sex? And she said, you know, in five minutes, I could be like you, but you can never again be like me. Just that moment, that decision can change your life forever. This is one of my, my biggest issues, and you know, I, I think that as we look at, look at society right now, some of the biggest problems we have. You know, what's, what's planned parenthood? Okay, again, soapbox. You can email me later. That way I can delete it fast. Um, planned parenthood. What is, the, what is one of the primary purposes of planned parenthood? Dealing with youth that have, are pregnant and have no idea what to do. It's sad. But our society has become more, more predicated on this not being a big deal. And I want to encourage our young people. It's a big deal. Don't take it for granted. Okay, soapbox is over. So back to Mary. Mary's in a situation where her friends may start saying, hey, you know what? You probably did something you shouldn't have. But now Mary's looking at this situation that could destroy her reputation of being a virgin, being pure, being holy. This could mess up her engagement to Joseph, could destroy her future. She could lose her friends. And her response in Luke Chapter 1 and verse 38, I think, speaks volumes. It's, she says this, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. May the words you spoke to me be fulfilled. Whatever God's will is, I'll do it. She says, I'm the Lord's. Whatever he wants, I'll change my plans. Whether it fits what I had in mind, doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. But now, and that's Mary's response. I mean, amazing. Amazing response. Now, the other person, what about Joseph? Now it's Joseph's turn. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Again, kind of an awkward situation. So, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. That's a pretty good solidifier right there. If an angel appears to you, probably take that advice. Hedge in your bet there. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. That's some pretty high character. Because he might have had plans too. I mean, we know that he was a carpenter by trade. But who knows? Who knows what his plans were? Not only does he, is he engaged to a woman who's pregnant, not by him, but now he's supposed to take her instant family. He says, yeah, you know what? That's what God wants. That's what I'll do. So both of these young people, again, probably in the range of 15 to 16 years old, They change their plans because this is what God wants them to do. So Jesus is born. And when they take him to be circumcised, they're greeted by Simeon and Anna. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, that doesn't sound very fun. So changed her whole future, changed their whole future. Take him to be circumcised and it's prophesied that she's going to She's going to have some pain in the situation. See, the child that you had, you'll be blessed. 
but you're also going to suffer. So as Christians, you know, when, when we open our hearts to God and repent and God comes in and lives within us and gives us a new birth, yes, there's going to be blessings, but there's also going to be suffering. Mary's a perfect example of this. She's going to see her own child killed. See, she gets to see and hear about some awesome miracles. She's present for the first one. She's heard of the blind receiving sight. That's what she's going to hear. Lame walking, dumb speaking. Why? Because of Jesus. But she's also going to see her son falsely accused. The people that he touched, the lives that he changed, people are going to betray him. They're going to drag him from a garden where he's praying to a courtroom, to a whipping pole. She's going to see a crown of thorns being thrust into his head, beat on, spat upon. She's going to see her son have nails put through his hands and feet, nailed to a cross. And then to finish it off, a soldier thrusting a spear into his side. Doing God's will is not always easy. There is going to be great suffering, but there's also going to be great blessings. So this is what Mary got to see. So if, Mary, if you ask Mary, was it worth it? You have to wait until you get the rest of the story. See, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, says in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Mary has seen her son killed. Now has seen him risen 
And now she's told to go to Jerusalem and wait. Whatever your plans were, change them. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, now because of the sacrifice that her son made, has been told to wait for a promise. So she does what she's told. She returns to Jerusalem. And she waits for a promise. See, she continued to be obedient. Even through the suffering. To do whatever was asked of her by God. And because she was, and because when she was a child, she decided to let God take her where he wanted her to go, she brought in the world not just a child. She brought in a savior. A savior that ultimately saved her from her sin and gave her a chance at eternal life. All of our schedules are full. But God is constantly calling us to make some changes to it. To make him the priority. What is his will? I don't think God's asked any of you at 14 or 15 years old to change your life, to become pregnant with the uh, child of God, to watch him beaten, crucified, tortured. Most of the time it's like, see that person there? Why don't you go tell them about me? Yeah. God, I'm kind of on a schedule. I got to get here first. You know, the other day, I was, uh, I was coming back from Waukesha. I was on uh, TT approaching Silvernail, so I was heading, heading north. And as I approached the intersection, I was going to turn left and take a frontage road, so I got in the turn lane. I had stopped, and um, it was a red light. I was checking a, a couple of things on my phone because I was stopped. And as I looked down, I heard this crash. And as I looked up, I saw that a car had come from the south, and there was a car that came from the east, and only one of them had a green light. And this car came through and really smashed this other car. And when I looked up, I could see all the contents of the vehicles flying in the air. And I looked up and it was a red light and I waited till it turned green and I pulled over and I called 911 and I was really pleasantly surprised because as I pulled over, I also saw people coming out of their vehicles that were stopped at the other, at the other light coming over to help. You know, we can get cynical sometimes in this world, but there were a lot of people that said, you know what? The schedule doesn't matter right now. What matters is these people's health and safety. So we got out of our vehicles and we waited for the ambulance to come. Everybody else bailed and made me write the report, though. That kind of stunk. But 
We are in that same situation all the time. We live in a world of people that are in constant car accidents, constant turmoil, constantly in situations where they are looking for someone to pull them from the wreckage of their lives and show them a God that came to save them. It doesn't need to be a physical accident for you to step out to try to save somebody and to show them salvation. But it may take an adjustment in your schedule. Would you stand with me? So she was asked, Mary was asked, along with others, to wait in Jerusalem. And I just like the way the King James Version reads. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. You know all that sacrifice and suffering you went through, Mary? Got some good news. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what will your response be the next time God asks you to do something that doesn't fit into your schedule. Be willing to do whatever he asks and you'll be amazed at what happens. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time tonight. I thank you for the, your word, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, Lord. I pray, Lord God, tonight that each and every one of us would leave. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.